Welcome, folks. This is John Hudson here, and uh, this is an experiment. Welcome back. Uh, it's a beautiful day here in southern LA, I guess that's where I'm at. There's a grasshopper sitting on my balcony, and the sky is clear. It's hot, very hot. No, it's not too hot, to be fair. It'll get a lot hotter. That's the way life is. What the crap? This grasshopper is... either... fornicating with an invisible grasshopper, or it's just lulling itself to sleep slowly with, um... just like a, a mesmerizing bouncing motion. I don't think, I don't know much about uh, insects, but I don't think uh, bouncing is really a, a thing the insects do when, uh, you know. It, why are we talking about insect sex? I don't know. No, I think, I wonder what that is. I've seen insects do that before, where they kind of just bounce on their, they just kind of bend their legs a little bit and their whole bodies just kind of bounce up and down. Vroom, 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 vroom. Wonder if that's a way to keep cool or uh, just something to test all your muscles or all your limbs? Because they don't really have muscles, do they? I guess maybe grasshoppers do, because you can eat grasshoppers. But most things, like spiders, don't have muscles, they have like little sacks of like fluid that they can kind of pump up to. I think it's it's like some sort of water tension. It's water pressure that moves their legs. Very interesting. So, it's been a week. How you guys doing? Is life all right? Oh, it's been a rough week for me. I'm trying to figure things out. Occasionally, I, I'm a I'm a grown adult. I'm an adult person. I have lots. I have full responsibility of my own life. I do have like fallback, like I guess safety nets that I can fall back on. But no, I try to be a real human being, a real human person, adult, thing, and nonetheless, I still occasionally paint myself into corners, I just don't take care of things, or I forget to take care of things, and eventually, it everything just starts to pile up, and it gets to a breaking point where suddenly I realize all the things I've forgotten to do, and I don't have the resources to take care of them all right now. And so a compromise has to be met. And figure we figure out what to do next. But that's me right now. Being an adult sucks sometimes. But you know, whatever. It has its own joys as well. Autonomy. Well, what do we get done this week? doesn't feel like a whole lot. Honestly, I've been kind of moping. I mean, I 
Dang, specifics? Well, I mean, right now I have a tooth that's bothering me a little bit. And my car's starting to act up a little bit. And I have a crazy commute and I want to switch apartments very soon. Is there anything else? And I never get out of the house. And I don't know how to clean anything. There's always a pile of dishes here. Although, I mean, I'm, I'm working on that. That's another thing. I'm, I mean, this whole podcast is based around this cool little real-life RPG website that I found. It's pretty cool. Habitica.com. H-A-B-I-T-I-C-A.com. Um, still pretty cool. Kind of, kind of buggy as of late. I hope they're still developing it. But... Nonetheless, uh, that's what we're based around. And I've been, I mean, the whole point of that is to try to gamify some of the things that I don't do uh, normally, that I don't do usually, that aren't a part of my daily life. And the things that need to be, really. And things as simple as dishes are some of those little items. Yeah. Yeah, so. Just on a real side, life doesn't feel that great right now. But, you know what? There's always room for improvement. There's always a place to... There's always, always room to change. And that's, that's something that I, I love. Hmm. So this week I have... Have I changed anything in Habitica? I'm always trying to find like a new little idea, a little paradigm of how to work here. And no, I haven't really changed anything. I've kind of toned down the, the coding aspect and added more research stuff. This, does this make sense to anyone else? <laughs> this is one of the oddest podcasts I've ever made. I think podcasts are kind of weird in the first place, but I don't... This is really weird, right? Oh, the grasshopper's mostly gone. Like, this music? Music in the background? Is that weird? I've been hearing... I listen to other podcasts, mostly from the 5x5 Podcast Network. Hosted by Dan Benjamin. Very cool guy. But... I've heard a couple podcast people talk about a thing called a music bed, which is almost exactly what I'm doing here. Yeah, I don't know what to what to do with that. I mean, oftentimes a music bed is spoken of in a negative way, a negative connotation. And so, I don't know. Nah, this is just a thing. I don't know. At this point, I mean, there's no turning back. I have to do some sort of little music in the background. Maybe eventually we could tone it down to like a song, like an intermission kind of thing. But you know, I'm having a lot of fun right now. So you know, you know what? We're gonna go with it. This is only episode three, week three of our techno monking podcast. And I just, I think let's give it a little more time. See what, what happens. 
Also, if you guys, I mean, if you have any, like, ideas about what this thing should be or what I'm doing wrong, what I'm doing right, if you like the music, if you don't like the music, if you have topics to talk about, I don't know. Like, this is just me kind of rambling about life and programming and productivity, so I don't really have an agenda. So email, or like, uh, visit the website. Have I ever mentioned the website before? So this podcast has a website called Techno Monking. Oh, wait, 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 that's the blogger. Let me get you the actual site. Yeah, the website right now is www.techno-monk.com. Looks pretty cool right now. Still, the website looks a little bit blogger-ish. Maybe in the future I'll try to change that. But for now, it's quite nice. Dang, last week... Now I'm looking at my show notes. Last week was a weird, weird week. Fluids and... What? Green tea, black coffee? Oh, speaking of coffee. Mmm. Mmm. What is the show? To be fair, this is pretty much basic me. This is exactly what I am. This weird categorization and constructing, like, well, making constructs. That's kind of who I am. Actually, we'll kind of get into that in a second. So recently I've been thinking, uh, I don't feel like I'm really into product productivity stuff anymore. But I think maybe, well, there are a lot of cues that I receive every day, however, that tell, well, show me that I'm actually very, very much into that still. I think mostly it has to do with, like, there's a, there's a general, like, curve. I don't think it's a bell curve, but there's, there's, like, a graphical curve for, um, amount of time spent on a given topic or hobby or anything and it begins pretty low and there's a real steep climb in hours um, per day or per week and and that's across the first few weeks I mean in that first amount of time you know almost nothing about this hobby is the ideal and there's just so much to learn and so you're just soaking it all up and soaking and soaking and soaking and eventually you hit a peak you hit just a place where the graph kind of peaks and ends and then starts curving downwards again. You hit your maximum number of hours per day. At this point, you've maybe you've you're starting to hit the the bottom of the pile of all the resources you can be reading, all the things you can be learning. And at this point, it just starts everything starts curving down and you you start actually researching these things or um learning about this hobby less and less you're still learning every day you're still learning but you have the bulk of the research already done and so eventually it just kind of goes down to sort of a like a heartbeat like a little just a little drone of of slight slight research every day and 
in in a way like that's where I'm at right now I'm on that like downward slope where I'm not soaking up all this stuff about productivity right now I'm not reading books or doing things like that I'm mostly just trying to practice it nonetheless here and there I come across an idea that I, I adore and I still think very much in that in that way I'm not just I'm not one of these people like I assume I mean you you think of a person like Stephen King who writes books all the time and has a ridiculous amount of books to to his name and I don't think that he thinks too much about productivity I think that he works and he loves working and it's a some sort of cognitive switch like he he doesn't need to think about productivity which is very cool and for a lot of years like in in college right out of college I really aimed for that I tried to think of ways to trick my brain into into loving to work into loving this thing and you know honestly that shouldn't be that hard like work is so satisfying to me and I think to everyone like the the idea of finishing a thing and and uh, or just working on a thing working towards a goal an end I feel like that's something that's deeply satisfying in itself and yet that's something I always struggled with eventually I came to terms with myself and just decided you know what I will find little ways to work every day and I will have to spend the rest of my life forcing myself to work I mean this is what I am I <laughs> as much as work satisfies me and makes me feel great I am a more of a playful kind of person Or something like that. I, I do something else. My brain doesn't work in like uh, sitting down and typing on a keyboard. That's something I have to force it to do. Whereas I can spend all day thinking of how to organize different different pieces of society or or how cars need to drive. Like hearing about how Google and, and everyone else, Tesla, I think even, who does, who makes Prius? Is that Toyota? Uh, I don't know anything about cars. Yeah, Toyota. Um, even, I think, Toyota is working on automatic car, like, driving cars, self-driving cars. And that's, that's an interesting construct. I spend, I mean, I, I drive, I have quite a long commute. Maybe not as long as a lot of people, but, uh, 60 miles round trip and so I spend a lot of time in cars and I tend to, to like have very clear ideas about how cars should drive and what's the safest or most effective way to drive I it the point of this is I tend to draw constructs very naturally and that's sort of who I am instead of maybe like a uh, like a physical body sitting down at a keyboard I'm much more interested in these, in like the bigger aspect, the way that things fit together. 
Actually, I was thinking recently about human augmentation. I think about this kind of stuff, this like futurist kind of angle on, on life. And it's, it's very intriguing. It's kind of, it can be disturbing once you start to think about it. And if you have too close of a, too tight of a clenched fist on your humanity, then it becomes disturbing. But I, I like that idea of being able to, to change ourselves into something better. And honestly, I have been slowly coming to the realization that there are aspects of us all that maybe can be helped. By computers, by, uh, in some sense, like, having an outboard brain, having a way to connect to, like, the internet in in a more direct way to our, our senses. Like having, in, in a simplified way, like a reductive way, like having a, a cord from the internet right into your brain. That's a ways, ways out, and that's not really... I mean, that's a great ideal or a way to think about futurism, but it's it's not practical in any way. Nonetheless, I, for the longest time, I've thought, well, no, it'd be cool to have, like, what, a robot limb or, or eyesight that's better, or to have, like, maybe for, like, vlog-type people to have some sort of thing in your eye that actually records your life. And, I mean, there's already... Um, services like twitch.tv that is all about this sort of real life just kind of watching a person which sounds creepy but it's not it's it's sort of I mean it's already a thing it's already a natural thing that we do in any case what's intriguing to me is recently I've been thinking through and there are certain things I think computers can help humans with for instance, let's see. There are a couple things that we we take as givens for humans. Um, one of them is in psychology. It's this idea that humans have to assume, have to set up uh, stereotypes and it, like some sort of ambivalent prejudices against other human beings because we can't know who that other person is. We can't tell if they're interesting or if they are interested in the same things that we're interested in. We can't tell if they'll be a nice person or a mean person. And so all of human history as individual human beings, we have had to use a thing called stereotyping, which yeah, is in, in general, is just a fine thing is a is a good thing the problem is it's very difficult to separate that like basic psychological stereotyping like deciding this person is probably interested in this thing or by the by the shirt they're wearing i can maybe guess that they're into sci-fi or doctor who or by the shoes they're wearing they're probably very they're like upper middle class or like upper class or something like that or like by their language, they must be very intellectual. Like there's, there are ways that we stereotype people. And the problem is it's hard to separate that 
good kind of stereotyping from the bad kind of stereotyping, where if someone is different from you, you see that as a threat, and it you actually like despise them and you begin to to fear them and that turns into a hate and this is also i mean this is something that has been assumed on humans it's i mean it's something that we've taken as a given for human history something that there's never been a way around but i think if we can, I mean, consider like social networks or like these, like Facebooks and Twitters where um, you you aren't really, you're dealing with people in a new, in a novel way. And that way, in many cases, is not, is indirectly. And so you're not learning. I mean, you're not looking at their face and deciding who they are. I mean, there are, there are some services i mean think like tinder where you this is literally what you're doing you're looking at a face and deciding whether or not you would want to hook up with them or talk to them go to dinner with them there are i mean these different services and websites tend to aim us in different directions um in this uh introduction kind of area in this networking kind of area that humans do so naturally. All I'm saying is it occurs to me that this this given about humans that we have to assume ideas onto other people that we first meet in order to live in society and deal with new people on a daily basis. This idea is becoming less and less true, I believe. I think maybe in the future computers and machines will be able to to change well really the internet will be able to change the way that we see the way that we handle new people which i think is a good thing any any move away from that in innate stereotyping is i think a good thing i mean it's uh there's all sort of sorts of side effects that could come of that but there's one more thing that i think uh, the internet and computers will be able to augment humans in a good way, in a beneficial way. And that is also sort of a psychological thing. It's this idea that humans have to compartmentalize experiences, especially very extreme experiences. So think like uh, PTSD, like a soldier who spends weeks on a, on a war front and then has to come home and live in his quiet neighborhood with his family. There's a great deal of compartmentalizing there. And further than that, there is... You can have compartmentalizing that actually gets in the way of rational thought. You, you can say, you know what, I mean, there are, there are ideas about how we treat in-groups and out-groups in psychology. This, I, this thing about um, uh, getting into sort of the stereotyping or like just how we treat people who are familiar to us versus people who are alien. Um, yeah, for in-groups, we treat the people who we know and that we want to be a part of and that we feel a part of, we treat those people and think of those people differently than we think of everyone else. We think of the other people, you know? For instance, one of the things that 
that happens um, is that the people in our in-group, we tend to think of them as a very diverse group. You think, you look at your friends and you say, look how diverse we are. We're, there's all sorts of different people with different interests. It's very, very cool. And I feel, I feel uh, stimulated in these different ways by these different people. We're so diverse and so homogenous. And uh, on the other hand, outgroups we think of as all the same, which is interesting. I mean, if you think, for instance, take your, your home state. Like, I'm originally from Indiana. So maybe you, let's say that you live in Indiana too. And we, we are together there and we hang out occasionally. And we go to a restaurant or a mall. And we, the friends that we have in our home states, we tend to think, you know what? Indiana Hoosiers is, what the, is the name for Indiana people. Indianians. <laughs> Or Californians, if you want. Like, these people are so diverse and so cool. Like, I love being around people like this. I love claiming this name as my own. Californian. Or Hoosier. Or uh, Massachusettsian. Washingtonian. <laughs> Is there, there has to be shorter names for these. Oh, well. Um, a Floridian? <laughs> oh, I am... Dang. Okay, this is an area I do not know much about. But... What are we talking about? Oh, but you tend to think of people outside of your state, out, I mean, in the world broadly, in a very, in a very, like, straightforward, similar, I mean, in a way that they're all the same. I mean, you tend to think that maybe the South is all a certain kind of person, or that the East Coast is all a certain kind of person, or that the Midwest is a certain kind. You think that maybe Europe or the, or the whole Asian-like continent is full of a certain kind of person. And of course, we all know that like there are, there are different kinds of people out there, sure. I mean, everyone's a little different, but in the end, as far as as far as in groups and out groups go, you tend to think that the people who you who are in a group with you, who belong to the same group as you, are more diverse than the people, the other people outside of your group. And this again is a problem. I mean, it's something to understand, it's something to maybe study psychology about and be like, wow, I think that way too. I'll now that I know that, I'll try to maybe fix that. Or or at least be aware of it, you know? But this is another aspect of, of compartmentalizing that I think computers can help us with. I think that given a certain kind of memory or access to the internet in a certain way that's native to our experience, but also just completely like outside of it like and absolutely augmenting our our brains and our memory this sort of thing can help us to better organize our different experiences maybe a some a connection like this would be able to put the experiences of a of a veteran in better perspective with his home life I mean, instead of having to lock that into a tiny box that occasionally just 
explodes and just makes a mess over everything in your everyday life. Or what was the other example? I forget. And I think in the end, these aspects of compartmentalization of experiences that don't really fit with the rest of our life or these like compartmentalizing of people groups like this is something that is based on a flaw in humans and I think that given a certain kind of relationship with computers we can bypass that I think that we can uh, become better for it we can learn to organize our traumatic experiences according to our our good the rest of our good existence and we can learn how to organ to look at people how to categorize people in a way that they want to be categorized i mean i think that's the important part there in any case this i've been thinking i mean i i tend to draw weird constructs in my head and try to categorize life in existence and this is one of the things i've been thinking about okay i just real quickly i'm going to talk a little bit about something else i don't know what it is though let's find out so i have been doing a little bit of coding stuff at this point the the project that i've chosen to take on uh, in recent weeks i've just been reading my learning python book and playing a little bit in spreadsheets, which eventually I may come back to. But right now, my, the project that I've chosen to work on is a thing I'm calling a Sundance Wiki. So I volunteer at the Sundance Film Festival every year, whenever I can. And it's a blast, and the job that I do there is, I basically I sit in an information booth in one of the more highly trafficked areas at the festival. And people just walk up and are like, hey, where's this thing? Hey, what's this thing? How does this thing work? Well, blah, blah, blah. And there's a lot of things to know. And in fact, like, the Sundance website is full of a lot of the information. We're also given a very thick uh, binder that's our, our basically our technical manual of everything that goes on in the festival. So we can, we have so much information right there that's super important and interesting and it's all kinds of the things that people walk up and ask you and so the only problem with it is it's sort of it's oftentimes hard to navigate the manual is organized as best it can be but it's it's a hodgepodge it's it's everything in the world and it's on that you need to know about working volunteering in an info booth and so it's obviously going to be kind of hard to organize and navigate and the website, the Sundance website itself, is not the best as far as navigation goes. It really is not, which is fine. I mean, they, they aim for a different thing. They have nice, like, uh, basically front pages. I mean, you can point people to a certain front page of Sundance, and they'll basically they'll just stay on that page of the site and find everything they need, and that's fine. In the end, the website is goes much deeper than that, and that's the problem, but the way it's set up right now is sort of alright. The whole point of this project that I'm doing, though, is I want to sort of scrape some of the information off the website and take the PDFs of the technical manuals for the info booths 
and combine them into a thing that into a wiki a thing that is searchable that is organized um, in an understandable natural way and also that can be reorganized um, according to how people search it so this is what I'm doing right now this is the whole idea I want to take all this information and put it into a wiki and maybe I mean it goes a little bit deeper as well so I've been starting to break this task down and there there's actually I'd, I'd been kind of hesitant about spreadsheets largely because the functions like spreadsheets are seem fairly simple but the difficult part the steep learning curve is the massive massive lists of functions that you can apply to a spreadsheet I mean there are hundreds of functions that you can tie to a spreadsheet and that's one of the reasons I didn't really think of it I still don't think of it as a real a true programming language Unfortunately, I'm running into a similar problem with Python. I mean, Python is a true high-level scripting language that's very cool and very simple and very general, so you can cover a lot of ground in a few words. But the other thing is it has things called libraries that users make. Now, library is like a, a collection of code, usually based around a given task. And so there might be a library for your operating system that will like allow Python to talk to your command line or navigate your like your directories, try to judge where certain folders are in your computer. Um, and there are, there are libraries for all sorts of things. There are thousands of all these user-made libraries that are very cool. It means you don't have to code, right? Code to like uh, have Python understand. I mean, almost any task you can think of programming, someone has written a library for it. This is what I'm saying. And so very cool. It saves me a lot of time, like actual coding time, but it brings me back to the same problem as spreadsheets and that now I have pages and pages and pages of these libraries that I need to look through and be like um, oh I could use that uh, oh I could use that and so that's kind of where I'm at right now this Sundance wiki thing the I've outlined sort of the tasks I want to do first off I want to take the PDFs and pull all the text off of them which I'm gonna use a library called PDF miner for that yeah, which is super simple and just I mean I actually tested it earlier and it's just ugh, uh, so simple I'm glad these library things are wonderful they're making my life so easy and then I also want to take all a lot of the data the text data from the Sundance website and put that into some sort of string or text file so that I can sort that as well and that I'm gonna use a library or a service I guess called Scrapey which is a Python web crawly like web scraping kind of service which is again very cool some another thing I don't have to worry about too much after that well on the other end of it that's like the first two steps for this wiki and at in the end I want to have something like a, a Python wiki that uses mark markdown syntax which is um 
If you've ever seen like HTML and you don't know how to program, it's basically unreadable. But there, there are certain syntaxes like um, that are called, well, there's one that's called Markdown that has a lot of the, I mean, it follows the rules of HTML, but it, the way that you write it is very readable. And so it's, it's very handy and it, it simplifies a lot of things. And so I'm going to aim for that. I'm going to aim for a markdown document of all of the text for this wiki to, to hold. And <laughs> I also found, uh, just on the side, I found like a Wikipedia module or library. I think it's a module. I don't, I'm not sure if I know the difference between a Python module and a Python library. But there's a Wikipedia module that basically you can say like I want a summary of if I searched this phrase in Wikipedia I want a summary of the first article and so suddenly you have I mean in in context for this Sundance wiki if I have the name of a TV show or a Sundance film I can plug that into the Wikipedia module and it will send me instantly a summary <laughs> of exactly what I need to know what I want to know. Okay, so that's the beginning of the process. I'm going to compile all this text into maybe a single file. And the end of the process, which is I'm putting all this data into a wiki that's searchable and usable. The middle is still the place where I'm trying to work this out. Basically, I need to go from a text file of all the information that I got from the PDFs and all the information I got from the website and I need to organize that in a safe way. Now I could do this by hand manually and it would take uh, maybe like 10 hours. So it's not it's not a big deal. In fact, I mean, I, I do things like that all the time. With script souping, I, or script supervising, I, I tend to, I have to do a lot of these tasks manually because again, I'm still learning Python and I don't know a way to automate a lot of these like just simple little tasks like working through a spreadsheet and changing all of the um, all, all of the slate numbers for instance like formatting things um yeah but in the end I'm once I have this like text file of all the data I need I'm going to try to make a way to automatically sort through that data to find for instance maybe cert certain headings or subheadings that are similar across these two these two documents across the website and the PDFs and combine those and then kind of just keep track like the whole point is to have this raw data somehow organized in a searchable way and also to have it remember like if there are little uh, piddly kind of silly places where maybe the information is largely the same between the website and the PDF I but there's just a subtle difference I can take a block of code and manually insert it somewhere else and the the structure or the program will remember that and then eventually when Maybe I get new PDFs for next year that have certain things changed or the website actually changes across the next year. Then I also want the 
my Python program to be checking occasionally and take those changes and try to plug them in to the structure that I've created for it. This is going to be really the fun part of this program that I'm making. I mean, again, I'm a structures kind of guy, and I love trying to figure out how best to organize data like this. And so I'm excited. I'm actually pretty excited for this. I've, I'm, again, I've already gotten started on both the beginning and the end of this process, working towards something that I can maybe, I mean, <laughs> working slowly towards this nebulous middle area. But I do think the middle is going to be the most interesting part. Alright, so I think that's it. Dang, 40 minutes. I was trying to do a shorter episode. You know, these are still kind of short. Okay, so this has been week three of Techno Monking. Well, there goes a hawk of some sort. Falcon, Peregrine Falcon. You guys read Animorphs when you were kids? I did. I totally did probably dating me somehow. Self-dating. Gross. Um, moving on. Time for the end of the podcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you want to see uh, show notes, I guess, you can go to techno-monk.com. course the show is on itunes feel free to like or subscribe or share or just you know be weirded out maybe tell me exactly how weird this thing is or if if maybe there are other podcasts that do the same thing i really have no idea that'd be cool i don't know this is for me this is really really weird and it's but it's fun i'm enjoying myself and I hope you are too. Have a good day. This has been an experiment. So long.